Hello, podcast people. (laughs) I don't know if that's a good start or not. Anyway, when you're in your office recording a podcast by yourself, sometimes you wonder these things. Hello, podcast people. Yep, I'm going to start with that. Okay, Um, welcome to Tell Me a Teaching Story, the podcast where we tell stories about teaching. And even though I've really loved our last interview podcast, um, Today, I'm just finishing up grades and things. It's our midterms. And I was like, I'm just going to jump on this microphone um, because I just had the opportunity to do this training for the Senka Head Start teachers in our area, which if you don't know what Senka Head Start is, it's like the heroes. (laughs) It's uh, people working with young like preschool it's preschool teachers that are government funded in our area and the one of the leaders in their group listened to my podcast hooray and she said hey come train our teachers about relationships and i left that training one thinking the senka people are awesome but also two i wish i could kind of share some of the cool things that I learned in building that training and we learned through our conversation together because you know what? There's a lot of stuff out there about this will make teaching great. This will make our test scores great, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But I think at the end of the day, it's all about relationships, whether it's school or not. You know, I think that that's the journey. That's what it's about is building these connections. Um, Early on in my teaching career, they always had us writing these teaching philosophies, and I've always had at the top of mind this quote that says, no one cares what you know until they know that you care. Um, One time at a conference, I met this genius lady who was, I I don't even know her name because it wasn't my area, but I got the chance to talk to her. She was, you could tell in the group, she was the like one they were all following. She was the smartest. And I got the chance to talk to her and I said, if you only could tell me one thing, what would you, you know, sum it up for me? And and she said, you just got to find a connection, find a connection, and then they can come into your weird little worlds and care about the things you care about. But it's all about connections first. And so anyway, I just want to, I guess, riff, I don't know what else to call this episode, a little bit about relationships. There are some stories woven in here. Um, I want to start with one thing that was kind of pivotal to me in developing this training. While I'm developing it like normal, I'm watching The Bachelor, which is terrible. I'm not recommending it, but it's like, it is my guilty pleasure. I, I just have to see who is going to be picked. Anyway, um, and I'm scrolling my phone like normal. And one of the people I follow is Terry Pettit. And if you don't know who Terry Pettit is, um, that's okay. But I think you should know because he was the original, the OG volleyball coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers, where he was getting things rolling when nobody was in the stands. Um, And now, you know, Nebraska, shout out, we, we have the world record for attendance at a women's sporting event in Lincoln, Nebraska. So, I mean, this guy is smart. And when he talks, I listen. Some of my youngest memories of him are being at Nebraska volleyball camp in the summer, and he was coaching us how to set and hit and all that good stuff. But now he's retired. And so his posts online are usually pretty reflective and wise. 
And he posted this long post about coaching setters. And he has coached some legit elite setters. And again and again, been really successful. And his post was talking about how he didn't coach them to be great by coaching them all the same. He talked about how one of them, she had to, when she jump set, that was different. And one of them, she had to turn her hips out. And he really talked about how teaching them to set was, yes, about learning the best technique. And now you can go on YouTube and see how to do it. But he also talked about how to really coach them, you know, to be that elite performer. He had to listen to them. He had to look at them. He had to figure out what worked for them. And I think that approach, that stance is exactly how we build relationships with students, with colleagues, with people in our schools. It's like, are we really paying attention to what works for them? Okay, so let's back up a second and think about why this might actually matter, because I think it matters tons. Um, Last year, before I was working here at the college, I was a librarian in a small town school. And I had been working there for about five years. And the first few years I worked there, this was my mentality. I can't talk to anybody. I have so much to do. You know, I have tasks, I have checklists, and I'm keeping my head down and closing my door and getting stuff done. And, and it was hard. Like one of the, the tasks that is hard is setting up for book fair. And I mean, I had an awesome helper who's one of my best friends, Renee, um, help me understand how to do it. But like just the task of it, you know, setting everything up, physically moving the boxes, it was tiring, right? Okay, so that's early on. Fast forward a little bit. I've worked at this school for a while now, and I realize these coworkers of mine at the time are just irresistible. And so I have a snap group with them where we're talking. I'm in a bowling league with some of them and just kind of organically and maybe a little bit against my will because I wanted to just keep my head down and get my to-do list done. I had all these connections. I had all these things that were like filling up my cup. And we all know the teacher cup can get pretty dry. Um, But not just like making my life more rich, actually like making my teaching life concretely easier to get stuff done. And here's the example I love to share is the last time I did book fair, instead of getting sweaty and tired, setting everything up myself and closing the door, I had relationships. And so I could approach it completely different. I knew the seventh grade boys had energy to burn and they could physically lift those big boxes and help me out. And I knew the three gals in the high school who just loved books so much that it would be a joy for them to unwrap the books and set them out in genre sections. And I knew who answers their email and who I could, you know, talk to in the hall because they wouldn't answer their email. And, and, the, my experience at that book for book fair kind of blew my mind because it wasn't very long in the day and the whole thing was set up and I had hardly done anything other than use the connections that had been built from relationships. I think relationships make our work easier. We have background, we know these people um, and book fair is just one example, but I think that can happen again and again. That happened when I did blood drives where at first, oh, it just drove me nuts. And then I'll never forget, we had this one blood drive where everybody just helped out. You know, someone could donate beef for Sloppy Joe's and someone could bring this and someone could do that. And 
I just really, like if I die tomorrow, heaven forbid, um, I hope that my heart song would be the idea that we got to get connected. That's where the magic's at. That's what it's all about is to figure out how we're all one, how we're all this sort of one big unit. And that's not just us. That's also our students. Um, my my kids, we got them this game for Christmas, and it's called Weezy. I think I'm saying that right. It's O-U-I-S-I, and I ordered it because I was getting... Uh, Facebook ads, and I am a sucker for those. Once I see them one too many times, I click on them and order them and and then feel shame and then sometimes return. But I digress. So I ordered this game because I thought it looked cool. It's like dominoes, but with pictures and pictures of nature. And so instead of connecting on the domino, your one dot to the one dot, you try to figure out how the two images might be connected. So maybe one is a conch shell that has a swirl, and then the other is a leaf that's kind of swirling in. And so you can connect that shape. Or one has a ladybug that's red, and another one has a bright red tree. And so you can connect them based on color. And when my kids played this game, I mean, it's fun. But the reality is, if you work at it, you can kind of connect any of them if you get creative. The whole box is nature. So, I mean, if you really can't find a connection, you could be like, these two pictures are about nature. (laughs) And they go together. And I think... That game is a really great visual of the work. And I say work because we can, yes, I just told a story about how it happened sort of organically in my life, but as teachers and just people in our workplaces, we can lean into this and work at it and get a big return. So like one example My students are just getting ready for midterms, and my class finished up on Tuesday this week, and the student, who shall remain unnamed, uh, I didn't know her very well. You know, in my mind, she's sort of this blank file. She's a tall gal, and in my mind, I think college kid, spring break. She's probably going to some beach locale, you know? And I was tired. I didn't feel like talking to her, honestly, but I was preparing the Senka training, and I thought, you know... I'm going to try to build a relationship a little bit here. I mean, nothing grand, but I'm just going to, instead of sitting there doing nothing, I'm going to put some energy out in the world and simply say, hey, what are you doing over spring break? Is that that big a deal? For me, sometimes it is like I have reinvented, you know, something. Uh, But anyway, I just said that. And I was so pleasantly surprised for like a minute. She went on and on about oh, I'm just so excited to go home. I'm really ready for some alone time, maybe some time in nature just to reset. And whoa, totally different picture of that student, not at all maybe who I thought she was. And I am like that. I love this alone time. I love people, but I also love alone time to recharge. And I love nature too. And then we're talking about that. And all of a sudden there's energy in the room. There's life in the room simply because... I just said, pushed this one little question out of my mouth. And I'm always surprised how when we put energy out toward relationships, it usually is kind of like a snowball rolling down the hill. You know, once you start it, I think of my teacher friends, once we started that little snap group, 
it wasn't hard to develop a relationship. It just kind of happened. But somebody's got to put the energy in first. I think that's like when my dad is a farmer and he talks about uh, seeds germinating. You know, that's the moment when the seed comes alive. You know, how do we germinate a relationship? Um, how do we do the, that we see game? How do we make connections? And how do we think like Terry Pettit? How do we make connections in a way that works specifically for us and our unique weirdness with this unique student or group of students that we have? And so um, as I was thinking about this, preparing for the Senka training, I got a little... I don't know if existential is the right word, but reflective about my own relationships. You know, if my relationships are a brick wall, is my metaphor, what are they made out of? And so my obvious uh, biggest relationship in my life is my husband. Shout out to Ralphie, my forever hottie. I love you. Anyway, my relationship with Ralph, when I first met him, I just first I noticed how he looked. He's I mean he's a cute guy. I'll I'll quit talking about that before I get too sweaty here. Um but I noticed how he looked. But then our relationship isn't built on that totally. It's about shared experiences. It's built on us eating hot wings together. It's built on us talking smack about our respective high schools and how one is better than the other. It's built on, I'll never forget, in college, I had a flat tire. I went to class and I came back and he had fixed my tire. It's built on like kind action, time around food, time spent together. Those are the pieces that build a relationship. And that's not with your like, I always say $10, your $10, you know, your best friend, your spouse, your sister that you get along with. Um, This is for anybody's relationship. We have to build them out of something. And so as you research relationships, let me get geeky for a second. The thing that makes them work, the glue of relationships, is trust. And so how can you build trust in your setting or with your students? Um, Trust is the glue. Generosity is the fuel. So how do you do a generous action toward these students? How do you build rapport? The number one way is to get curious. If they have on a like a Green Bay shirt, ask them if they like Green Bay, you know. And in the research, I found it works better if you're actually genuinely curious. Like at <laughs> one time, I tried to be in a um, a fantasy sports. Well, it wasn't fantasy sports, but it was like a, a a sports league at school. And you know, I love the Huskers. I love Husker volleyball. But when it comes to most all other sports, if I'm not playing them. I, I just don't get as excited about them. I'm sorry. I know that's a bad Nebraskan. Um, but it's just like not my thing. You know, I get excited when people talk about movies and songs. And I'm not against sports, but it doesn't come as naturally for me. And so get curious about things you're actually curious about. Like I love pens and office supplies. And so if I ever have a student who has sweet looking flare pens, I make a comment and we build a connection. Those things seem frivolous. They're not. Because when that student with the cool flare pen is being naughty or or is having trouble at home, it's different with them if I've worked to build a relationship, if I've been intentionally curious about them. One really easy plug and play strategy for this is just like make a checklist. It sounds very... Um, 
robotic, but I've talked with teachers who have great success with this, where they just print a clipboard of all their student names with a bunch of little checkmark boxes next to it. And, you know, during passing period or at the end of the week, they just make a little check by the students where, oh, I made a connection with the kid that week, or I know something about that kid this week. Um, Because here's what we know, teachers... And I'm guilty of this. We're really good at responding to the kids that are nice, the kids that are friendly, the kids that do everything we want, and the kids who are naughty, the kids who are being uh, having behaviors or whatever. And we often neglect those quiet students in the middle. And they're often the ones that are so interesting to build relationships um, with. One example of this is at one of my very first... Uh, classes that I taught way back in the day. I taught eighth graders. And, you know, you're a new teacher. I spent a lot of time putting out fires with the students that were challenging. And I spent a lot of time cheerleading my students who were doing great. And I wasn't so hot at connecting with those middle of the road folks. I don't know if that's even the right term for them. But the ones that just you know, you could get to the end of the school year and not know them that well. If they're just more quiet, they do what they need to do and they get in and get out. I had this student who was so quiet and just kind and nice, and I never really connected with her that much. And at the end of the semester, she gave me this book that she had made into a Christmas tree. And she just glowed in her face when she said, it's made out of Bridge to Terabithia. And I just remember feeling kind of weird in that moment, like, okay, she seems really excited about this. She had been genuinely curious about me. She knew that I liked that book, that it was like an important book in my literacy development. And then she took the time to make this thing for me, to like put energy in um, in showing me that she cared or that she was listening, I guess. And I still have that tree. I get it out around the holidays and remember that sometimes the quiet students... Um, are paying attention. You know, sometimes maybe we need to pay attention to them too. Because uh, one of my best admin ever, she she always said, doesn't every student deserve a free and fair public education? Heck yeah. And and I know that's hard to say that, but I I believe that even though it's hard to hard to live out. Um, so we let's talk also a little bit uh, about how some students don't want to build relationships with us. Um, And at our Senka training, I just wrote the word weird on the board because some relationships are weird with students. Um, Like I think back to, I had a a mom of a student once call me in uh, or she came in and I had a meeting with her and my admin and she basically screamed at me and just yelled at me about something I had done to her daughter that quite frankly, didn't happen the way she was characterizing it. And in that moment, I didn't like that person, (laughs) you know, and I wanted to get out of that room. But come to find out later, that woman had lost her dad. Uh, Her dad died the day before that. And so her, you know, her poor relational skills with me weren't really about me. And I think we have lots of students at school where the way they build or don't build relationships with us isn't about us. It's about the trauma and the way it feels to be in their bodies. And so I want to challenge us to think that even though it's hard, 
we can build relationships with those students. One of my other awesome administrators uh, that I had recently said, um, we in public schools are sometimes the most consistent thing in all of these families. And so think about how you act with the most consistent people in your life. Like I think about my mom, man, she gets it all. She gets when Evie is really emotional or Evie is really excited. Like those are the people you feel safe to just be all parts of yourself with. And school is that for some people that they're not going to be in their best light when they come to us, but they know we're we're not going to kick them out. We're we're a safe place. And so can we just be kind and consistent and honest and straightforward? I'm not saying take abuse. You know, that woman that was yelling at me, it's not like it was abusive or got to some weird level where yes, walk out of the room, you know, have a boundary, stand up for yourself, say no. Um but sometimes we can just be like a space holder. I in my last episode where I had uh, my guest here, I kind of told this story, but I think it, it bears telling it out a little more. After the, the Super Bowl, we went down to our small town bar uh, to kind of celebrate because my husband loves the Chiefs. <laughs> and um, one of my former students came and sat down and, and just thanked me in a way for how I had supported him as a student. And this blew my mind because I was so frustrated with this student. Um, he was probably one of the most challenging behavior students or students with behavior that I ever had, where I had to show him the line every day. Any kind of authority would just set him off where I had to, you know, call an admin and that always made me feel like, and still does, makes me feel like a failure. Like, oh, I got to call in the next level and I like to manage in my room. Um, but this young man who's now... Um, in his 20s, and he's got a job, and he's got a girlfriend, and he's doing great. He looked at me, and he was like, I just want to thank you. I don't know if I would be around if it wasn't for you. Um, and as I tell this story, I want to point out, this is not like an Evie hero story. This is a story about a student who was so hard to deal with, but all I really did was just keep responding, keep responding, keep responding, even though there's no relationship really there. It's just that I'm being a consistent person. Even if I almost feel robotic about it, sometimes that's the first step when these students have sort of trauma responses going on in their body, where if they can see how consistent we are again and again, that we consistently show up with their best regard. Um, So when this student would you know, have a behavior outburst or be defiant. I always, the only thing that I do see, this is like, I'm a little proud of this, like, good job, Evie. I would circle back to him, even if it was in the office or somewhere else, and put that put that relationship back together. I, I got to do this with my own kids too sometimes where it's like, okay, let's sit down. What happened today? Oh my gosh, you were crazy today. <laughs> I, I could not keep you in class, you know. And he would always kind of laugh in those one-on-one moments. He could be very like kind and thoughtful and smart. And I always made a point to point out to him, like, you have so much potential, kid. Why are you acting like this? <laughs> you know, and and I think on some level, he was asking himself that too. Why am I acting like this? Why can I not? And so when I was sitting there with him, I asked him kind of point blank, knowing I had this Senka training coming up, if you could 
teach teachers, you know, to help students who are like you were? Because he was essentially apologizing for himself and saying, I was terrible. What would you tell teachers? And he got really reflective, kind of looking out and said, just tell them to listen. The kids are telling you what's wrong. And sometimes they're telling you with a behavior. It's not words. Sometimes they're telling you with their silence or they're defiant, but they're communicating or their defiance, excuse me, they're communicating. And I have a big, fancy, expensive degree, but what that student said to me is smart, smart, smart. You know, that that if we would just listen to each other, if we would just slow down a little bit, maybe we can move forward. So we got to have some boundaries with these students who are not good at building relationships. We don't need to take abuse, but just know that, um, oh, my sound is going off. Sorry, I'm clearly a pro at this. <laughs> at my wedding, I like dropped, I think I dropped my, um, Okay, or my no, my veil got stuck in my husband's my brand new husband's you know lapel or something as I turned around and I said dramatic pause anyway dramatic pause in the podcast. Um, side note, I'm trying to embrace this concept of wabi sabi. If you don't know what it is, Google it. It's like changing my life. Wabi sabi is grace and beauty in the imperfection. I'm here for it. Okay, so not a perfect podcast. (laughs) That has far been gone. But okay, so where was I? Boundaries. Here we go. We got to have some boundaries with these students that really aren't good at building relationships. Um, And that in its own way is building relationships. Some of our relationships with students are going to be weird forever. You know, if I don't go to the small town bar after the Super Super Bowl, excuse me, I never know that kid's story. And so many of our students, we don't get that feedback loop later of, oh, this is what impacted me. This is what helped me. Um, I ran into my sixth grade teacher recently. I haven't seen him in forever. And I made a point of telling him, hey, I remember you taught me how to shake hands, how to greet someone and say, hi, I'm Evie Wusk. You know, say it with confidence. Shake the hand with a little bit of a grip, not too firm. And I still use that. And I learned that in sixth grade. So I offer this as a bit of a dare. If you have a a teacher in your life that taught you some small thing that mattered or continues to matter to you, send them a note, send them an email. Uh, We could all teach, current teacher, retired teacher, just humans in general. We could all use those little, um, I call them happy cups of tea because my son made me this little craft project for Christmas that it's made out of a McCormick's spice lid that he has wrapped yellow thread around and put like stuffing and orange fabric on the top and a smiley face. And he told me it's a happy cup of tea to set at my my desk at work. And I look at it every day. So what? who could you give a little happy cup of tea um, and just build that relationship? Sometimes relationships are built out of little things like that. So let's get real farm girl practical here at the end of the podcast. Ooh, we're getting 
this is long on time. Apparently, I have lots to say when I'm here by myself. <laughs> um, there's some really concrete, practical things we as teachers can do to build relationships. I already told you one, do a checklist. Um, another one is mood meters. So I like the idea of this with littles. When they come in, have a meter of like, how are you feeling today? And let them share that out. Or uh, one of the awesome women who babysat my kids growing up, she would have them share a peach in a pit for your day. You know, what's a high and a low? That's a way of being energy out. Have them tell about themselves. Um, or just schedule a cadence to this relationship building. Uh, one great example in my life right now is my sister and I hadn't been connecting that much over we were talking about this at Christmas. And so she just started scheduling phone calls with me like she does. She's a businesswoman. And we're scheduling these conversations. And that that sounds not like organic. And I like things to be organic and free-flowing, whatever. But having that scheduled call, I feel like our relationship is better than it's been. You know, we're connecting, we're talking about things, and it's because there's a cadence, there's a plan. How can you plan to connect? Can you have an like end of the day, fourth grade teachers, we all share out a peach in a pit, or we all give somebody a sticky note on Fridays with a highlight? Um, just how could you schedule this relationship building so it's not just left up to chance, it's going to happen. All right, I want to end with two things. Number one is book recommendations, because I love books. Um, if the stuff I shared about trauma, students who've gone or experiencing trauma responses in their body, if that resonated with you, uh, there's a book called What Happened to You by Bruce Perry that really kind of opened my eyes to how kids aren't always being naughty or being lazy, sometimes their neurons are firing differently because they've just been in this fight or flight response. And that gives me a lot of empathy and also just makes me more curious. Like I, there's a story in there. I, I am wrapping it up, but there's a story in there of a, a young student who just could not get along with this one teacher and it made no sense. He got along with everybody else. He was a great student. But the minute this one teacher walked in the room, he was just like, just terrible. Come to find out, I'm making this beautiful story way too short, but he, that teacher wore the same cologne as um, someone in that young man's life who had been abusive. And just, you know, he wasn't consciously deciding that. Um, and so anyway, I just share that. I love this What Happened to You book and this shift in mindset of like, instead of what's wrong with you when we look at kids, what happened to you? And then the other book I want to recommend is called Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High. Um, more and more often, teachers and professionals, we have these conversations that get heated, you know, where we're saying important things or if somebody's upset, you know, how do you have those conversations in a constructive way? Uh, way back when I worked at a church as youth director, our pastor made us all read that. And I've used it again and again when you get in those conversations where it's like, oh, I'm not building a relationship right now, um, but I, I need to communicate well and kindly and professionally. Um, it's just some really great strategies. All right. I like to end with a quote. And so this is a quote. I follow Edutopia. If you don't follow Edutopia, do it. It's George Lucas's 
educational foundation and they just like sharing really cool stuff. Uh, Here's a quote from Abby Howard, who is a teacher. I remember going into my first year of teaching thinking I was going to use a bunch of cute classroom management tricks. I'm now four years in, and although those tricks are helpful, I've learned the most important and effective classroom management strategy is relationships. All right, let's go out this weekend and this spring and just build some relationships. It's the very stuff of life. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. Mm -hmm.